China has never sponsored a coup in any African country. Can the Western countries say the same? Who is our enemy? Who is our friend? Who is the imperial power over us? Is it China? The answer is a categorical no. We know what imperialism is. It's not for them to try and bandy words around. There's a long history of imperialism in Africa, and it was not through the Chinese. They think we can never have a relationship of equality with anybody else. And, and also there's a racist attitude in this. Do, do they think we Africans are fools? Who everybody should dominate the way they dominated us for over 500, 600 years? The Chinese should only come to dominate us. They don't see their domination of us as domination, as something wrong. But they see our association with the Chinese as domination, imperial domination. Let them remove this racist attitude, this racist arrogance, and start to see us as human beings deserving their respect, deserving their compassion. We have dignity. We have human dignity that deserves respect. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talk It Out with me, Li Jingjing. This show aims to show you the different voices and the stories that are often being neglected by the mainstream media. You know, in the past year, we've been doing this show for quite a long time. We have guests joining us online from all around the world to share their views on current affairs that matter to all of us. And uh, today, I'm very happy that finally we can have a face-to-face on-set interview with the two guests joining me in Beijing because they are visiting Beijing these days, and they are from Zambia and Ghana. And like the voices of many countries in the global south, voices of Africa often being underreported. Even though Africa has been frequently brought up by Western media or governments because they became very concerned about the relationship between China and the African countries. And that we've seen many non-African journalists and experts keep giving advice and analysis and warnings to people in Africa how they should deal with the countries like China and how they should join the international community to take actions towards another country. But what do people in Africa think? How do people in Africa see the world? Well, today's video may offer you a glimpse into it. So without further ado, let me introduce the two distinguished guests joining me on set today. So this gentleman right next to me is Fred Manbe. He is the president of Socialist Party of Zambia. Fred, welcome. Thank you for hosting us. <laughs> and this gentleman, uh, he is the convener of Socialist Movement of Ghana, Obogu. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great pleasure to be here. Well, if I could just take a moment to yeah, sure. say hi. Today is a very important day in Ghana and Africa. It's the Founder's Day, the day in which our founding president, Kwame Nkrumah, was born. There's a bit of a controversy in Ghana about recognizing his role as founder. There's an attempt to rewrite history. So a lot of my comments today are in the streets in Ghana, reasserting the factual history that Kwame Nkrumah was the founder of Ghana. And I'd like to just say solidarity to all of you. Mm-hmm. See you soon. <laughs> Very important day. And before we continue our discussion, um, may I kindly remind all our viewers, uh, if you like this discussion, please hit the like button and also share with us your thoughts in the comment section because that will help this video being promoted by the algorithm and let their voices being heard by more people. And if you like this content, please subscribe to my channel. And because uh, every week I will have guests to share their views, which are underreported by the Western mainstream media. So uh, my first question to you is, because we've seen this term called Sino-imperialism by the Western media, because China, Chinese companies do have a lot of investments in different multiple African countries. So I think over these years, I've seen so many reports by Western media describing China as the new imperialists in Africa. So do you think, do you see China as a new imperialist power in Africa? What do they mean by imperialist power? China has never colonized an African country. There's no African country that has ever been a colony of China. And our dealings with China started long before the China they know today. We were dealing with China when China was a poor country. Very poor. 
but China still more was willing to share whatever little it had, sometimes giving us more than they had or they could give their own people. For instance, in Southern Africa, in Zambia, China participated in our liberation struggle. The Chinese people, the Communist Party of China, helped us liberate ourselves from those who are trying to call them imperialists today, who dominated us, who colonized us, humiliated us for centuries. China helped us to liberate ourselves. China helped us to defend our independence and develop economically. Zambia was a blockaded country. All the neighbors were still either under colonial domination by the Portuguese or under the domination of apartheid and white racist regimes in Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe. We had no access to the ports. Our only access was to Dar es Salaam, which had no good road, no rail. The Chinese Communist Party, the people of China, managed to help to build us a rail, which was a very, very difficult project at that time because China did not have the resources, both financial, technical, and human capital. They didn't, they didn't have it. But they, took, they undertook such a big project in which 70 Chinese lives were lost. China did not have corporations mining minerals in Africa, trading in Africa, doing all sorts of business in Africa when China was helping us. It's only now that China is participating in a lot of economic activities in Africa. But not on terms that are different from others. Sometimes even the, on more favorable terms to Africa than the Western companies. So where is the imperial domination of China? Where is China's imperial interest in Africa, in Zambia, in the third world? It's them who dominated us for centuries, who colonized us, enslaved us, exploited us. Yes, we have minerals, strategic minerals. Minerals needed for the 21st century technologies. For instance, Congo DRC today has 70% of the world deposits for cobalt that is needed for electric cars and so on. We have huge copper reserves between us or among us. They want that, but they don't want China to access those resources. Our global resources, wherever they may lie, they should be utilized fairly, justly, for the development of all humanity. And China should have access to these resources on terms that benefit all of us. China should not be cut away. So where is China's imperialism? It's their imperialism that we should worry about. And they have got, we have got a record and evidence to show. There's nobody who has got any evidence of China's imperialism in Africa. If they have it, let them table it. We see it. It's not there. Sometimes they talk about Chinese private capital misbehaving in Africa. But the private capital misbehaves everywhere. Whether it's in China, it's in Europe, it's in America, it's in Africa, private capital misbehaves. And that's why private capital, even in the capitalist countries, they try to regulate it. They are fighting with it all the time. There are sanctions all the time. There are penalties all the time. Chinese capital misbehaves. Private capital misbehaves in China, misbehaves in Zambia misbehaves in Africa, misbehaves in Europe. All what we need is to deal with that misbehavior and manage it because there's some good that comes out of private capital as well. But that good has to be balanced with the side effects, the negative impacts. Do they expect China to go and control the behavior of its private, private, uh, private capital in Zambia, in Africa? If it's corrupt, who is it corrupting? If an African president involves himself in corrupt activities, 
with a Chinese private company? Do they expect the Chinese government to go and start prosecuting, arresting that, that president, African president? It is our duty as Africans to deal with our own corruption the same way China is dealing with its own corruption. The same way the Europeans, the Americans themselves are dealing with the corruption of their private sector. So where is the imperialism of China? China itself also, they must admit that China was also humiliated like Africa. China was colonized in so many ways. Yes, it suffered from feudal humiliation, but also it suffered from semi-colonial humiliation. The Japanese were there, the British were there, the French were there in China. As imperial powers, China was humiliated, Africa was humiliated. Even Chinese labor, Chinese labor was taken, exploited all over the world taken to the Americas as well, the same way Africans were shipped to the Americas. We have a long history with China. We have a present with China. And we have a future with China. They have tried to sway the African masses to hate China, but it's failing. It's failing. Because they can see for themselves if you see a big hospital in Africa today, who has built it? The Chinese. If you see a big soccer stadium, who has built it? It's the Chinese. If you see a rail line, who has built it? The Chinese. If you see a good road, a good bridge, who has built it? It's the Chinese. We have very little to see today that is coming from the West. China is cooperating with us in a manner that they were not cooperating with us. Are there problems in China? Yes, there are problems. China is, is building its society in a world dominated by capitalism today and is facing those challenges. And the challenges will be many, but we have to understand the problems or the difficulties the challenges of our friends from the actions of our enemies. Those who colonized us, those who humiliated us. China has been our friend. China will be our is our friend today. China will always be our friend in the future. And the policies of the Chinese government are very clear. They are very clear. They are not hidden. Mutual respect respect for the sovereignty of other countries, respect for the territorial integrity of other countries, non-interference in the internal affairs of other countries. China has never sponsored a coup in any African country. Can the Western countries say the same? Comrade Opoko was talking about Nkrumah. Who overthrew Nkrumah? It was the British and the Americans. Who killed the parties from <coughs> It was the Belgians and the Americans. Who killed Gaddafi? We know them. Who killed Nasser? We know them. Who killed Amilka Cabral? The same people. Show us any African leader that has been killed by the Chinese. Zero. Nothing. Who is our enemy? Who is our friend? Who is the imperial power over us? Is it China? The answer is a categorical no. Anybody who feels otherwise, let them provide the evidence of Chinese imperialism. They are demonizing China. They are slandering China every day. It is our collective duty to defend China from slander, to defend our friends from being defamed, from being maligned, because they are our friends. If your friend is attacked, you have a duty to defend your friend. The friendship of Africa and China will last for a very long time. It was not built out of expedience. It was built out of principle, mainly from the Chinese side. 
China has given more to Africa. It is our duty also now to give what we have to China. And what we have is the ability to defend our friend when they are under attack. To defend our friends when they are being humiliated, when they are being maligned. A defense of China today is a defense of human dignity. It's a defense of all the poor countries of this world. Because to China we look for inspiration. To China we look for assistance. To develop ourselves without being humiliated, without being colonized. Is every dealing with China smooth? No. There's no human relationship that is smooth. Not even our personal relationships. We will manage our differences if they arise with China. Through dialogue, through negotiations. We have, there's no African country that has gone to war with China. <laughs> we have gone to war with them. China has never bombed a Zambian village, an African village. They bombed our villages. They killed our people. They killed our leaders. Even from the pre-colonial struggles, they were killing our leaders. China has no blood on its hands. The opposite is actually true. China has lost lives in Africa trying to save the economic and the liberation interests of Africa. It's difficult to add to that, but yeah. the point is that we know what imperialism is. It's not for them to try and bandy words around. Okay, There's a long history of imperialism in Africa, and it was not through the Chinese. We're talking about 600 years within which our people have been subjected to slavery, the slave trade, and transportation to America. That's an experience that China shared. We're talking about a period that followed the slave trade of colonialism, in which they sat around a table in Berlin and divided our continent like real estate. We live in countries where there are borders that are drawn through people's houses because they didn't have the diligence to do a survey and avoid that. The people literally have your bedroom in Ghana, your bathroom in Togo because of the, 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 the casual way in which French and British forces divided our country. That was not China. The countries that exist in Africa today, the borders that exist, were created by Europeans. Before the Berlin Conference, there were no African states there was a creation of Europe. And those states were created not for our benefit, but to limit the conflict amongst Europeans about who gets to exploit which parts of the continent. That was imperialism. China wasn't there. Okay? The historical records show the Chinese sailors and mothers had come to the east coast of Africa centuries ago, discovered, had been curious but had sailed back and left the people to develop on their own. The processes that we, we, we call imperialism, slavery, colonialism, and the new colonial arrangements we have today, in which we have what we call you know, flag and national anthem independence, but the real levers that control our economy are not ours. That's new colonialism. Okay? And they, and have no, they have no right to choose <laughs> friends for us. Well, but that's, that's the point. They have no yeah. right to choose friends for us. Mm -hmm. We have the right to choose our own friends. Mm -hmm. They became associated with us not through voluntary association. They imposed themselves on us. They gave us countries we didn't have. We had one country, one continent. Mm -hmm. They divided our continent into countries, which as Comrade Opoku is saying, we are theirs. They were not our countries. They were their countries. But with humility, <laughs> we have accepted them. Okay, let them be our countries. But still more, they are not satisfied with the word humility, with our acceptance of them. We don't hate them. 
but we can live together in a new time, in a new way, in a new world, with dignity, with respect for each other, with cooperation and solidarity. The problem they have is because they have never had relations with other countries based on solidarity. They have all always had imperial relationships. They cannot believe that human beings can associate with, with each other based on solidarity. They cannot believe we can have a relationship with the Chinese that is based on solidarity, on human unity, on common struggles, unified struggles. They think every relationship with a person who is well off than us as Africans is always dominating us. They think we can never have a relationship of equality with anybody else. And also there's a racist attitude in this. Do they think we Africans are fools? Who everybody should dominate the way they dominated us for over 500, 600 years? The Chinese should only come to dominate us? They don't see their domination of us as domination, as something wrong. But they see our association with the Chinese as domination, imperial domination. Let them remove this racist attitude, this racist arrogance, and they started to see us as human beings deserving their respect, deserving their compassion. We have dignity. We have human dignity that deserves respect. And uh, that reminds me of the interview that the leader of Barbados uh, did with the BBC reporter because the reporter was so kind of arrogant when even she asked the question because basically she was uh, implying that Barbados are being manipulated, being used as puppet by China through these investments. And the leader of Barbados has said, well, if this is the way you see, that's basically how you, you refer, you see us. Because you see us as puppets, so you thought everybody else is are using us as puppets. So it's the same, right? That's correct. They don't have any other frame of reference for a relationship with Africa. It must be master-servant. It is imperialist in its nature. Therefore, what they see happening is China supplanting their imperialism, their empire. They cannot, as Fred said, they cannot conceive of an equal relationship. That's not imperialism. Imperialism doesn't occur just because the two parties have different economic strengths. Imperialism is a relationship of exploitation. And to have imperialism, China would have to be a country in which your big private capital dominates the states. And the state essentially works as a PR firm and as an enforcer for private capital in China. And that is manifestly not the situation. The Chinese state represents the people and assesses the authority of the people over all sectors of the economy, including private capital. China has a lot going for it, but the state is the state, and capital is a subordinate entity within the Chinese community. And in your relationships with Africa, those relationships, the Chinese state is not an imperialist power. And there's a long history, as Fred said, of collaboration. He talks about the situation in southeastern Africa and the railway. That, that's not a small example, because we're talking about the period in which China was not the wealthy country that it is today. And there were sacrifices. It meant extreme sacrifice for the Chinese people to help another people develop what was really crucial infrastructure. And it's not an isolated case. If you come to West Africa, um, I was just rereading this morning the first visit of your Prime Minister Chu Enlai, or Zhao Enlai, to Sub-Saharan Africa. It was a visit to President Nkrumah. I reread the transcripts today. It's a discussion, some of the same themes that we have today, about the efforts of the U.S., to drive a wedge between mainland and Taiwan and to use, to try and create two Chinas to weaken the revolution here. 
And there was a strategic discussion about how the liberation of African states and therefore the increase of third world presence in the United Nations was a strategic tool to deal with the Taiwan problem and ensure that the united China or in the situation as it turned out mainland China represented China in the United States. China was trying to reclaim its position in the UN and that was tied to the liberation struggle within Africa. China's support was a support to the entire Africa within a clear, mutually agreed strategic framework. Chinese engineers worked in Mali, they worked in Ghana, they worked in all over the continent. And this was way before China became a major economic force within the world. Okay. The arrival of that position that China has now is not imperialist. China has become the world's leading economy, but its relationships with other countries are not imperial relationships. They are not. It's baseless. The problem that the media in the West have, as I said, is that they have no other frame of reference. Mm -hmm. Africa is there to be exploited. If somebody else has arrived, it must be another exploitation program. Mm projection. Yes. yes. <laughs> if you are used to abusive relationships with somebody, you will never believe that you know they can have a relationship based on love and mutual respect. Mm -hmm. yeah. They think everybody who deals with Africa deals with Africa in an abusive way. It's an abusive relationship. Yeah. They have never <laughs> had a relationship with us that is not abusive. And they think the Chinese or anyone else who has a relationship with us, who has a little bit more than we have economically, is also in an abusive relationship with us. Mm -hmm. We are not in an abusive relationship with China. We are in a relationship that started on a mutual respect, on solidarity, on, on common aims. And today we can say on a shared destiny. You know what they say, a bear yeah. cub does not grow up to become a snake. It grows up to become a bear. It is a snake egg that hatches snakes and grows up to be big snakes. The mere fact that China's economic position has improved radically. Without colonizing a single country in the world. Yeah. Without being an imperial power, they can't understand that China has developed without a single colony, without plundering any one country in the world. The development of China cannot be said to have come from African resources. Yeah. Their development came from African resources. Yes. The big buildings you see in Europe came from Africa. The big buildings you see in China did not come from pillaging African resources. Yeah. And they can't understand that, that a country can develop itself. How can you build your wealth without exploiting others? Without exploiting <laughs> others. They don't understand that because all they know is exploitation. Because the capitalist system was built through plunder, global plunder. And then you, I, think, I guess uh, you answered a bit in, in this part. But also, I think one of the major claims that um, what the West have against China is uh, China is coercing African countries to to follow China's rules on the international stage um, through this huge economic investment, through these massive buildings in Africa. So, like uh, I've read so many articles, that's how they believe what China is doing. They invest so much money in the third world because they want to they want those countries to follow them. So, and now, like, G7 countries, they recently had the meeting because they came, came out with this uh, Build Back Better World project, which allegedly will offer billions of U.S. dollars to help uh, our developing friends, developing countries, uh, to, to, to build their infrastructure. And uh, to, I think, the leader of the European Union, she said, we want to show the developing world that they have an alternative choice other than China's investment. <laughs> so I'm wondering how do you see this help coming from we, the West? We have seen 
what Europe has to offer. Europe colonized us. We saw the level of development that was achieved, which was really a level of underdevelopment. Because it's not as if these were... I mean, people talk as if Africa has no history. Up to the point where the first Europeans arrived and began to interact with us, Africa enjoyed the same level of development as the rest of the world. That's, that's the reality. It was at the point where we ended, began to have structured relations with Europe that our development retarded, that we started becoming backward, and Europe accelerated at the rate that it did. There are cities like you know, Brussels, that really everything there is, is a product of the wealth of Congo. That's, that's the simple fact. Okay. So we know what alternative they have to offer. We've seen it. If anything, there are new alternatives created by Chinese imagination, Chinese struggle, which are attractive to us. We need to find a way to be able to develop that does not involve the exploitation of other people. And China has shown an example. It may not be the only example, but it's a clear example. What you've achieved over the last 40 years in particular, in terms of the eradication of extreme poverty, in terms of your GDP levels, in terms of life expectancy, okay, those are real concrete things that anybody can see. And the strategy used to achieve them is of interest to us. It's not simply about what infrastructure spending China can do in Africa. That's not all that's of interest to us. Of course, we're interested in investment. We are societies we want to develop. There is a Pan-African project, but it's also the lesson. How did China do this? How did China organize and mobilize its peasants? Those are lessons we can learn, and we want to learn. There's nothing that Europe can teach us about development. Who are we going to colonize? Whose resources are we going to steal to make our lives better? That's not an option for us. So Africa is interested in China and the Chinese model, not just because there's wealth available here, but because there is a lesson to be learned. And that lesson is the lesson of socialism. That's the reality. The, the history is there. I've mentioned the meetings in Accra in 64, which followed the 61 visit by President Nkrumah here. China was not a wealthy country then. The discussions that took place about the model for development for Africa, it wasn't just the, the, the Taiwan situation that was discussed. They discussed liberation. They discussed economic development. The problems of Ghana's two successive uh, five-year plans and the implementation of a new seven-year plan, how to integrate industry with agriculture, the sequence of various developments, the wisdom to be patient about certain things, and China explained what technologies it had. What could it do? Light industry, it might be able to offer some advice here. When it came to heavy industry, the Prime Minister, President, Prime Minister Xuanlai, said to Ghana that no, this is not an area where we we have any real capacity at this point in time, but we can help you talk to those who do. China has worked with us across the continent to help us develop and to help us unite. The Pan-African project is a project that China has supported from day one, all the way back to engagements with um, Egypt when there was a Suez Canal crisis. You know, the Europeans built this canal to facilitate trade between Europe and, and Asia and sought to control that canal as their property. And President Nasser nationalized it and created a big security um, problem. China stood up for Egypt. China stood up for Egypt and for Africa. So this is not a new situation where suddenly China is bribing Africans to vote for it in the Security Council. We were voting with China back in the 60s as we became independent because China had stood up for us and because we saw an example that we could emulate. You know. They are not hiding it. Mm -hmm. 
they are saying this is a reaction or a counter to the Chinese initiative, the Belt and Road Initiative. It's not a totally new scheme. They had promised to take 3% of their GDP every year and push it to the development of our countries. How many of them have, have taken 3% of their GDP to assist us? I don't know any that has even gone beyond 0.5%. Today they are promising $600 billion over a period of six years for infrastructure and investment in Africa to counter Chinese initiatives. Is there something novel it's in It's not this? about us. It's about China. Yes, it's about yeah. China. <laughs> they are not coming to assist us. They are coming to deal with China, to counter China. Mm -hmm. But we know that things that are not done from a noble position, from a, self from a selfless position, they are usually worthless. Likewise, things, noble things that are not based on correct ideas, on fair ideas, are equally worthless. This scheme will not go anywhere. Would like the money to come. It's a year now. Nothing Would like the, the money to come and help Africa. They are saying the money is going to come from private and public initiatives. <laughs> European and they're, American they're, they're public. They are in recession. Yes. <laughs> they are in recession. Not recession. It's not this is a desperate move. They are desperate. And the whole thing is about keeping China out of Africa. They think if they promise this money, $600 billion over six years, over five years, it means about $100 billion per annum, shared by 53, 54 countries. <laughs> How much are they going to invest in each country in terms of infrastructure over this period? It sounds a big amount of money, but when you look at it, when you start to analyze it, it's very little, and it won't come. If it comes, we'll be very happy. We are benefiting from Chinese assistance because their competition with China is helping us. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's not us they are following. They are trying to counter China's initiatives in Africa. What has got China's assistance to us? What is, what is irritating them? What is troubling them with China helping us? If they were truly our friends, they should be happy that we are getting some assistance. Mm -hmm. That it will enable us to come out of poverty. But they don't want the truth. They don't want China to help us. Yeah. They would like China to take money to them, to the World Bank, to the IMF, and then they give us on conditions dictated to them, on conditions and terms that are beneficial to them. They don't want these initiatives. But this is an exercise in futility. This is unstoppable. They're not dealing with the children. I don't think they realize that. They don't because of their arrogance and racist no, I, I don't attitude. think they realize that. I mean, if you look at the, the level of shock that a lot of, well, specifically British, but let's say European media are expressing over the views that Africans in the third world are putting forward following the death of Queen Elizabeth. Mm. I mean, it, it's very clear. They've lived in this illusion that we're all happy little black people who love this queen living in London in her castle. And they're hearing outrage. They're hearing outrage. They're hearing about the massacres. A whole generation of British people have grown up thinking that colonialism was some sort of benign, beneficial activity. They're not taught about the massacres. They're not talking about the slavery. They're not talking about the destruction that our people have suffered. You know, all in order 
to make money to support institutions like a monarchy in the UK. They, they actually think we should be grateful, and they're outraged when people are saying no. I, I really can't stand this institution and can't stand what it represents. They're actually outraged that people are not lining up to praise their queen. You know, it, it, it's 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 a yeah. problem. They yeah. really, really don't understand or accept responsibility mm-hmm. for what they've done. And where were they all these years? Why didn't they give us all this money all these years? Our countries are money. saddled with the debts. They are not willing to write off small amounts of debt that we owe their institutions. Mm-hmm. But they are willing to come and give us $600 billion. So that we won't talk to China. So that we won't <laughs> talk to China. Are we so cheap to bribe? Mm-hmm. Are we so naive? So foolish? When are they going to start having some respect for an African? Well, for the rest of the world. It's not just... They look down on the third world and they take their current favorable position for granted. They take it as a right. That by their very nature, they're better than us and should be in a position to give us quote-unquote aid out of the money that they extract from us to begin with. It, it, it's, it's, there's a develop, culture shock coming. Yeah, if you develop, like China, well, technology, tech industry is getting better, and they will say, because you stole from us. Yeah, you, you stole <laughs> technology from us. And if your economy, like city for cities like Shanghai or Hong Kong, if your economy is great, because we liberated you, because those cities used to be occupied by us. So yeah. everything good about you now is because of us yeah. that brought you the civilization of the, of the first world. But they don't say we have developed because of your labor, the slave labor, that built capitalism. They don't say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't say it that they developed because of our mineral resources that they store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They store human beings. They store minerals. They continue to steal. They continue to steal. And they don't say they are developing because they are stealing. And how much of our intellectuals have they taken? Mm-hmm. How many? are working in their key sectors from these poor countries, from India, even from China, from Africa. People they have never trained. We train doctors, they take. They even take nurses. Our hospitals have no nurses Mm -hmm. because our nurses are taken by them. They easily give them green cards, they give them visas, they go. They are not helping us train doctors. They are not helping us train nurses. They are not helping us train engineers. They just come and take. You see, we understand. We do not hate them. It is not because they are white. It's because we've all been through a historical process that privileged them through our exploitation. And so they invented racism to justify the evil that they were doing. Mm -hmm. We understand fully that within Europe, America, and so on, there's an oppressed working class. We understand that fully, and we're in solidarity with them. We're more than happy to work to change the situation of human beings living in those countries. It's something we can achieve together. We don't want this to be a permanent relationship that is spoiled. That is toxic. We wanted to live better with them. Despite the history that we have, a bad history, we can put that behind us if a new relationship emerges. And we want that new relationship. Because without a new relationship, there will be no peace. We need peace in the world. We need peace to develop. We need peace to deal with the challenges that we are facing. We are facing climatic changes. Challenges. We are facing growing inequality. We are facing growing unemployment in our countries. We are facing growing poverty. 
These issues need cooperation, global cooperation. We also do realize that there's no country in this world, whether it's China or it's the USA, it's the European Union, that can develop on their own. We need each other. We need to cooperate. So we are not trying to to exclude them. Or what you are saying is let's have a better relationship with each other. That is mutual beneficial. That is respectful, dignified. We don't hate them. You gain nothing from hatred. Mm -hmm. You can't even think properly if you are driven by hatred. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the point is that there is enough in terms of resources, in terms of the human capacity to create wealth. We're at a point in time where we, we can meet the world's basic needs fairly across all the continents. And we can steadily and actually quite rapidly improve living conditions for everybody on this planet. They are resisting this and they're busy focusing on how to keep the spot at the top. So China is growing, China is a threat. What do we do to cut China down to size? Can we seize Taiwan? Can we use Taiwan to disrupt them? Can we destabilize Russia? You know, you you engage in that kind of geopolitics and you suddenly expect the third world to forget the history and follow you into, into ruin. It will not happen. It will not happen. But there's a better path. Maybe it's too late for them to take it. But there's a much better, much more rational, less costly path to improving life for everybody on this planet. They just need to step back and recognize that China has a right to grow. China has a right to fulfill its destiny, to feed its people, to clothe them, to give them the best education possible, the best opportunities possible. China has that right. The rest of the world has that right. And we can do it together. And nothing remains the same. Things change. The unipolar world that we had is changing quickly to to multilateralism. Mm -hmm. Those who dominated the world economy are no longer dominating it. China becoming the leading economy in the world is unstoppable. We should, it's something that you know they should also start rejoicing in yeah. and share <clears throat> in the prosperity of China. The whole world can share in the prosperity of China, can benefit from the prosperity of China. India is also coming up. Today, India is more or less the third biggest economy in the world. The GDP of India has surpassed that of the UK, mm-hmm. who colonized India for many centuries. Today, India has got a bigger economy than the UK. Are they going to be able to stop that? No. How many countries are they going to fight? And when you fight people, when you want to break down people, you want to humiliate people, they will unite to strengthen themselves. To survive. Yes, to survive. We are seeing the BRICS. Today, more and more countries want to join the BRICS. Mm-hmm. So is SEO, the Shanghai yes, Cooperation Organization. Yes, we are seeing absolutely. that it's also growing. Mm-hmm. Away from them, but not against them. It's not every association of others that is against others. They don't see the world in that way. To them, the world is about conflict. It's and about it's about confrontation. Them. It's about they, they them. They think it's about them. It's if not. you are not with us, then you're against us. Yeah. I think both of you mentioned, uh, you mentioned actually, um, because African countries want to learn the Chinese model, and you both are the socialist leader and activists in your country. So I'm wondering, as Chinese, coming from China, a socialist country, I do see socialism, communism, China is demonized in, in the West in general. And it's basically like a red scare. If you mention communism, oh my God, that's so scary, right? So I'm wondering, is communism demonized in your countries as well? It is to the extent that our educational system and a lot of our 
cultural pillars like the church and so on are aligned to imperialism, to the real imperialism, imperialism from, from the West. And therefore, there's a constant indoctrination through our schools, through our media and so on, that to the point that most people instinctively feel that communism somehow is some evil conspiracy. But I think you'll also find that for most people in Africa, the values that people hold dear are actually collective values. They're values of community. They're values of working together, of sharing, of solidarity. They just do not express it ideologically in the terms socialism or communism. But those terms are vilified to the point that people don't actually ask what they mean. People think they know what they mean, but they don't. So you find that there's, there's across the continent, people admire China. People are curious. People want to know about how China did this. Because we remember, even if a lot of young Chinese people don't, what China was like 60 years ago, what China was like 100 years ago. Those were things that were pretty obvious in, in our time. We still, I wasn't born then, obviously, but the history of the Chinese Revolution and the conditions in this part of the world were pretty well known to my generation. And the transformation that has taken place is it, maybe something that Chinese, young Chinese people can take for granted now the wealth, the power, the security. But we have seen the transition. And we've seen that transition take place in a period where we have stagnated or even fallen behind. China's been moving up. Okay. So when you say to people that China is a socialist or communist country, it makes them sit up. Maybe this, this communism thing is not so bad. It helps create a conversation. You know, one, one of the big propaganda things, well, I think you mentioned it about the West, is to suggest that China's advance is not communism, it's not socialism. That is, there was a period in which China conceded to capitalism, you know, and that the big threat is that China is moving back. But, you know, Fred will say it much more eloquently than me. But the process of constructing communism is a struggle. You don't have the revolution that overnight everything is fixed. It's a process of planned struggle over many years to build a new society. And we see the faces. We understand the broad faces that China has gone through and the compromises you need to make at any given point in the struggle. Two steps forward, one step backward, flanking, outflanking and so on. We understand that at a broad level. We are just beginning to learn the details of the process as it's obtained in China. You know, Marxism with Chinese, with Chinese characteristics and learning what variables there are that could be used in Africa. How does this work in our part of the world? Or how would it work if we had the opportunities, if we had the, the, the state control that is required to direct these processes. So the language is perhaps vilified. There's a certain um, discomfort with the terms. But China's example is changing that. And we are working to make sure that it's understood. Yes, you could find another term for it and so on. And, and, and we do that where it's, it's inevitable. But it's important to be able to reclaim language as part of, of the revolutionary effort. So we're we are very clear that we are communist. We're very clear that China is communist. And we're very clear that China is going through the different phases of constructing this. And China is leaving lessons behind for all those of us who are working on a similar path. So, you know, Great props to China. <laughs> yeah, in a truly peaceful world, development and even a democracy will have many ways, many different ways of expression. Mm -hmm. Countries will not all develop the same way. 
they are free to choose their own way of development. They are, choose, they are free to choose their own way of expressing democracy. If their path, the path they have traveled to be where they are, is the path through which all nations on this planet should travel, then there will be no nation that will develop. What was there for them is not there for us. As Comrade Opoku said, we don't have countries to exploit, to colonize, to plunder. We don't have. We don't have. But they are used to demonizing everything that is not theirs. Everything that they don't like, including individuals. When they talk about our leaders, you'd think they are talking about devils with horns. <laughs> Those they like, they will talk about them in growing terms, in growing terms. Today they can talk about Mandela in very glorious terms. Mm -hmm. But Mandela was at one time a terrorist in their eyes. They get Mandela, they single him out. The other one is talked about with no respect. But it won't work. They can throw all sorts of propaganda at the end of the day. <clears throat> what matters is the material conditions of people. The living conditions matter. How can you come and tell the Chinese people that their system is bad today? The system that has lifted them out of poverty over a historical shortest period possible. How can you tell them to hate themselves? To hate the, effort, the, the products of their own efforts? For a long time, as Comrade Dopoka said, they were trying to attribute the Chinese success to capitalism. China has developed because of pursuing a capitalist path. But the Chinese leaders and the Chinese people are saying we have developed because of socialism. That's what President Jinping is telling the world, is telling us. That's what we are learning from them. And they are having problems with that. So they don't want the Chinese people to say they have developed because of socialism. And now they want to build a modern, social, a 20, a modern socialist country. They want the Chinese to say we are developing because of capitalism. Yeah, because otherwise their uh, fiction or this narrative that democracy and capitalism is the best thing in the world will collapse if they see China as a socialist country become number one economy one day, defeat them, then how can they persuade their citizens as they are the beacon for freedom and democracy for the world? Freedom and democracy for no, a system that has been built on mm -hmm. brutal force. No, but they don't know. The citizens don't know. They don't <laughs> tell their people that that system has been built on brutal force. The worst form of human humiliation and exploitation, slavery. They killed our leaders to get our resources. They have caused all the wars we know in the 20th century and 21st century. They are still causing wars everywhere. What, are they, what do they have to mm -hmm. show the world in terms of democracy, in terms of human rights, in terms of a model, a sustainable model of development? That's why even Pope Paul, the head of the Catholic Church, today says modern capitalism is enemy number one of the Catholic Church. He's very critical of capitalism. He's very critical of trickle-down economics. Do they love this Pope? No. Is this Pope a communist? No. He's simply a decent human being who wants the best for humanity. They say all roads lead to Rome. I would say all honest roads 
lead to socialism. So, yeah, like since communism are demonized in your country, in Zambia and Ghana as well, in probably in whole African continent, then why do you want to make this socialist movement in your countries? And uh, how can socialism benefit the people of your countries or Africa in general, in your opinion? What is the alternative to socialism for our people? What is the alternative? If capitalism were the answer, after all these centuries of capitalist exploitation, why do we still have poverty? Why are we still the poorest? In my country, the average rural poverty is 76.6%. 76.6% of rural Zambians live in absolute poverty. In some areas of our country, some provinces of our country, poverty hits the average about 80%. We have some of the highest infant mortality rates. We have some of the highest maternal mortality rates. If capitalism was the answer, why are we in these conditions? Because we have been capitalists throughout. Mm -hmm. The first colonizer of my country was a capitalist private business. And an individual called Cecil Rhodes, John Cecil Rhodes, with his company, the British South Africa Company. We were governed by a capitalist enterprise for 33 years. Why didn't we develop? You even named for the company. Yes, even the country, the country, my country was named after that capitalist owner. It was northern Rhodesia before it became Zambia. Then Zimbabwe was southern Rhodesia, named after the same chap. If capitalism is the answer, why are we still in poverty? Why? Today, China has surpassed life expectancy of the USA. Cuba has surpassed the life expectancy of the UK today. Or of, the, of the USA, I mean. Cuba. A poor third world country. Because of socialist policies that are aimed at improving the living conditions of people, even with the limited resources, Cuba has managed to increase the lifespan, the life expectancy of its people. Well, it has got US one of the best educational systems in the world. It has got one of the best health systems in the world. Even COVID showed us the validity of the socialist policies. The countries that have dealt with COVID successfully or better are those with socialist-oriented programs or policies. China, Vietnam, Cuba, the state of Kerala in India, which is run by the Communist Party for most of the time, even Venezuela under its conditions of being brocaded, sanctioned, and this is resources being stolen, managed to deal with COVID better than the countries that are, are free. Even the USA and other countries today, capitalist countries, to deal with COVID, they had to turn to socialist policies. They had to implement socialist policies in their health systems because the capitalist policies could not work. So what's wrong with the capitalism? If for us, socialism is not, is not the answer, then there's no answer. It's socialism and only socialism which will get us out of this. Whatever you call it, you can remove socialism as long as the fundamental policies are the policies that socialism advances. It doesn't matter to us. You can change the name. If the name is prob a problem, the policies are not a problem. So what is the issue? <laughs> but they will demonize whatever name you choose. It doesn't matter. It is the substance that matters. And that substance is designated by the words socialism, communism. And we will reclaim those words for our people because we do not want them to be confused by all this imperialist propaganda. We want to build a community. We want to build a society of people that work together, that collaborate, not of people who work just for the benefit of one person. 
we cannot continue to have a situation in which our economies are dominated just so that a handful of people, you know, enjoy all the world. I mean, we have a situation now in what eight individuals control more wealth, own more wealth than half of humanity. I mean, that's four billion people. It's, it's irrational. It does not work. And when democracy can you have under such conditions? It's, it's not possible. It's, it's meaningless. So defeating the propaganda, helping people to think clearly about the options that are in front of them is important. And for so us also, China is showing us the way. It's becoming easier for us to explain socialism. Yeah. If you wanted to know what socialism is, look at what China has achieved. Yep. That's what China can give humanity. Look at the global COVID figures. Look at them. It's there. America has had over what over a million deaths. But they li- they're living <laughs> standards in such a short time. In such a short time. Look at this miracle. Yeah. And also, we can go back to history. Look at what the Soviet Union had achieved yep. with socialism in such a short time. Mm. For whatever problem the Soviet Union achieved, we cannot ignore that history. The only country that has surpassed that history is China. China. And in both of them, you have the same cultural solidarity. The Soviets also supported our liberation. The Soviets also plowed tons of resources. They also supported the liberation of China. Mm -hmm. Well, precisely. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we will reclaim the term and we will use it. We will not be shy about the fact that we are socialists. We will proclaim it. And also, we are lucky. The Chinese leadership under President Xi, they are reasserting these weights. They are reclaiming these weights. They are using these terms. And our work is becoming much easier. The prestige of China is helping our struggles much, 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 much more. Thank you so much. Very, very inspiring, refreshing discussion with both of you. And as I mentioned, it's very important to hear people from the global south, from developing countries to to tell their views, to, to tell how do they think about the matters. So I hope you continue to support this show and uh, we will continue. I know uh, today we have representative from Zambia and Ghana. Uh, it's not, it doesn't represent all Africa, but I will keep on bringing more guests from African continents, Latin America, and the Caribbean, everywhere from around the world to tell their stories. So thank you. Hope you like this show. <laughs>